Hey, good morning. Good morning. Good looking bunch of people. Y'all ready to have some church today? Yeah. Better question, are you ready to continue being the church today? Yeah. I love it. Hey, if you're loving, in love with Jesus this morning, let me hear you go whoop whoop. I love it. Y'all making weird noises in church. I don't understand why people do that because we're a fun bunch of people and we like having fun. Man, who says church has to be boring? You know who says church has to be boring? Boring people. Boring people say that, so we're not. Hey, everyone watching online, uh, big thank you again for tuning in. Hit that like and share button if you don't mind so that we can keep reaching people for Jesus. Summertime is here. Summertime is here. Kids are out of school. Kids are, my kids are out of school. I love it because, boy, they're wide open with all that energy. It's so fast. So fast. <laughs> uh, but I love it, man. I think half, half of the world went to the beach last week. I think the other half went to the beach this week. I think half the church is on vacation this week. So if you're on vacation tuning in, hey, hope you're having the time of your life. Make some memories with family. Make the time count. And we can't wait to see you back here next week. Uh, Women of Valor graduation next Sunday is going to be huge. I'm excited about that. It's going to be a big Sunday. I I'm more excited about that than I am the cookout after the service, but I'm really excited about the cookout after the service, too. Man, real excited about that. Uh, see, everybody's getting excited now. How can you not get excited for good food? You know what I mean? Like, there's food, and then there's good food. I get excited for good food. We're going to have some good food next week. So for no other reason, it's worth showing up for some free groceries. Uh, it's going to be a great time. And are we smoking meat for next week? Is that what I think we are? And we're grilling stuff too? Is that? I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Barbecue. Barbecue is good stuff. My, 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 my. Well, y'all didn't show up today to hear about food. So we're, we're here for Jesus and to hear some of the word. Amen. So you got your Bibles. Open them up to the book of Matthew. Matthew. Chapter 16, we're going to continue the series that we're in, looking at the church and defining what the church is, who the church is, what we're supposed to do, and just taking a, I mean, really a not churchy look at church, because there's a religious point of view, which is kind of churchy, and then there's Jesus' point of view, which is where the power is. And we want to look at the church from Jesus' point of view. Matthew 16 Starting at verse 18, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and this has kind of been the staple verse that we've been using for this series. He says, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. You know, what Jesus started on that day when he announced the establishment of his church, the ecclesia, which we are the called out ones, who are here to represent his authority as a governing body on this earth. That's what that word means. So when you see church, don't think the place where we go on Sunday. When you see church, you see ecclesia, because that's what Jesus was saying. That was his whole intention for what the church was supposed to be. Um, he said, I'm going to start this thing, and it's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. And the gates of hell, or Hades, will not prevail against it. And it's he was being prophetic in a way when he said that because it's really a miracle that the church survived. I mean, you're looking at this small group of people that were passionate about 
this Lord and Savior that they had encountered. They faced persecution from the religious establishment. They, they faced persecution from governmental establishments, trying to snuff them out, putting them to death, um, ripping them out of their homes, throwing them in jail. They, they, they faced all kinds of persecution, but any other group would have imploded. Any other group would have cashed out because their leader was supposedly dead, but what was motivating them was that they had seen this guy who was killed and crucified raised up from the dead. See, when, when they saw that, it didn't matter what the government did to them. It didn't matter what the religious establishments did to them. It didn't matter to them what punishment they faced because they had seen Jesus do what Jesus said he was going to do. I don't know about you, but if somebody can predict their death and resurrection and then pull it off, I'm jumping on his bus. I guarantee you. I don't care what anybody else says. And that was what was so, so, so life-changing with the early church. It wasn't what Jesus taught. It was the resurrection itself. The resurrection. Without the resurrection, there is no church. Without the resurrection, we're just getting together for the heck of it this morning. Without the resurrection, nothing Jesus said has any merit. But when he came back from the dead, when he rose up on that third day and proved that he was who he said he was, then everything changed. Everything changed. And it didn't matter what happened to them. They were passionate about what they were doing because Jesus had changed them. They had seen this guy risen from the dead. It didn't matter what law got passed. You know, I don't care. I just saw him get up out of the grave. He, that's the real deal. Your law's temporary. He's eternal. I want to go with him. Yeah, it changed everything. The early church not only preached Jesus but they talked the same things that Jesus talked, said the same things Jesus said. And I think probably the greater part of the persecution that they faced as the early church wasn't that they were preaching Jesus, it's that they were preaching what Jesus preached. Because it was radically different than the established culture of the day. And they didn't stop. And it wasn't long before that small group of people had changed the culture of the world that they lived in. So much so that it's an, it's an undeniable fact of history. An undeniable fact in history. It, Bart Ehrman, uh, an atheist, by the way, wrote a book on Christianity called The Triumph of Christianity. Odd title for a book written by an atheist, right? The Triumph of Christianity. Here's an excerpt from the book that he wrote speaking about this early church and the impact that they had on the culture that they were living in. He said, Christianity not only took over an empire, think about that statement, it not only took over an empire, it radically altered the lives of those living in it. This is an atheist writing this. Radically altered the lives of those living in it. It was a revolution that affected government practices, legislation, art, literature, music, and philosophy. However one evaluates the merits of the case, no one can deny it was the most monumental cultural transformation our world has ever seen. What a statement from an atheist. 
it is undeniable the impact that the church had on the world. It's undeniable. An undeniable historical fact. Part of the reason why they got persecuted so much is because they would not stop teaching what Jesus taught. It wasn't this just that Jesus was the Son of God. That got the religious people up and going. It wasn't just that. It was that in Christ, in Christ, you're now free from sin. In Christ, this God, it, it, it ceased to be a religious activity that people associated church with. Now, in Christ, you could have a personal relationship with the God that created everything that you see because his son gave his life to bridge the gap between us and our creator. Listen, had never, never been presented that way until Jesus, for good reason, because Jesus is the one that did all of it. <laughs> but but, but they, were, they were teaching all the things that came with what Christ did in your life. And this is, this is what got everybody up in arms. Think about the culture that the church was dealing with. It was a slave culture. It's a slave culture. Um, people had economic value. They did not have personal value. They did not have inherent or intrinsic value in the culture of the day. And they hadn't since creation, since the fall of man up until that point, didn't have that kind of value. No system was set up to recognize somebody as an individual that, was, that had personal value. And you could become a slave at the drop of a hat, you know. Uh, you lose your job, can't pay your bills, you become a slave. A kingdom comes in and invades your country, you become a slave. It, it, you could lose your standing just like that because people didn't have value except economic value. Women had no value at all in that society. No value at all. Actually, they were considered less than possessions. Like if you had a household pet, it had more value than the woman. That's the culture that Jesus was dealing with. It's amazing. Your best shot at having any standing at all as a woman in that culture was marrying the right man who had enough cattle so that you could have some kind of standing. And it had been that way since the fall of mankind. People didn't hang out with other groups of people because there were cultural barriers that separated them. One group of people looked down on another group of people because of where they came from, because of the color of their skin. You're not as good as we are because you're not in our special club. You don't look like me, therefore you don't have the same value as me. This is what Jesus was living in. And so when he started preaching, he was, when he started preaching and teaching that we all had value, in the eyes of God, that we were all created. We were all created, and we were deemed valuable because he came and gave his life for us to purchase us back out of that sin. Man, that began to shake some stuff. When he, when he crossed cultural lines and hung out with a woman at the well, when he went to Caesarea Philippi and started talking to the people that he shouldn't have been talking to out there, when, when he <laughs> walked up, to the woman caught in adultery when they were fixing to stone her, and said, now, you know what? This lady right here, this lady right here, gets the same grace that you guys claim for yourself, 
and I say she's forgiven. So her past no longer dictates who she is. She's a new creation in me. He turned the world upside down with what he said. And so when the church got unleashed and they started doing greater things than Jesus, he said, you know what? You guys are going to go out and do greater things than me. They started preaching and teaching the same kind of stuff in the culture. And slaves were giving their hearts to Jesus and realizing that the world says that I have no value and that I, say that, that I might be somebody else's property according to the world. But God says that I'm a child of the Most High, that I'm an heir and co-heir with Christ. So they can talk all they want to about who they say I am, but I know who I really am. It began to shake stuff up because Roman owners of slaves didn't like slaves walking around like they had an identity. When Jesus gave when Jesus gave value to women, listen, ladies, listen, there's been a lot done in the last hundred years for women's rights, but I'm telling you right now, nobody in history has done more for women than Jesus Christ himself. I'm telling you right now. When he started saying, no, 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 no. Men are not better than women. Y'all are equal and the same. Y'all have different roles, but the same value in my kingdom. You are all children of the most high God. It changed stuff up because the husband looked at the wife then and said, you're, you're a possession, you're property, you're a less than. But she was walking different than that. She was talking different than that. She says, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but I know what Jesus is doing inside of me, and I know that I am a daughter of the Most High God. It started shaking things up when the church would say, it doesn't matter what color your skin is, Jesus still died for you. It was blowing minds when they said it, just like it blew minds when Jesus said it. He just, listen. Jesus, you want to talk about social justice? You want to talk about destroying racism? You want to talk about abolishing slavery? Jesus Christ has done more for that in world history and culture than any other movement that has ever walked the face of this earth because he destroyed it. He destroyed it. It was normal until him. Until him, until he started establishing our value, our worth, and what the Word of God says that we are in Christ. Now, Paul would teach later that there is no Jew or Gentile. In Christ, there is no slave or free. In Christ, there is no male or female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. We are all one with the same value, the same importance. And it's still turning our world upside down today like it did over 2,000 years ago. The church is still, is still the strongest force of cultural revolution that the world has ever seen. Today, all of that stuff. You turn on the news and you see the world Still talking about and still trying to fix the same problems that Jesus solved. That Jesus solved in himself all that time ago. Maybe it's time for the world to realize that this stuff works and to hop on board and let Jesus do what Jesus has already done. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? And, and it's not just that stuff. If you look back in history, I want to talk about this for a second. Because I think we undersell the importance of church in affecting the culture that we live in today. 
the church has always stepped into needs and produced solutions that pointed people towards Jesus. You look back in history, it's always the church that's making things happen. Unless you consider maybe the last hundred years or so of history. Government has tried to step in and take over the role of the church in our culture here in this country. Everybody gets tense. Is he going to get political? Let Let me tell you what the Bible says. Let me tell you what the church has done in our culture. You realize this hospital system that we enjoy in our country right now, you know, it was established and launched by the church. It was established and launched by the church to meet a need in the community and in the nation because people needed health care. People needed to be taken care of, and they couldn't afford it. And there was no standardization of practice between the doctors. There was no one to hold them accountable. And so churches got together and said, hey, let's fix this problem and figure out a way to provide quality health care for the people in our area. The church made it happen. The church made it happen. The church made it happen. Higher education, the church made it happen. A pastor looked around and realized that most of the people in his city were uneducated. And he said, you know what? Nobody should have a lack of education just because of whether or not they got money in their pocket. So he started a school out of the church to give people the equivalent of a high school diploma. And when the church was too full of people, they built institutional buildings out of the church to provide education for people. And then they took a step and said, why do we have to stop here? Why can't we give them a higher level of education? It all came out of the church. Listen, and it was all free to the people of the communities because the church funded it as an outreach. Healthcare and education as an outreach. Um, All the orphanages launched out of the church as a ministry to meet a need in the community because there were too many children in poverty that did not have parents to take care of them. And some of them had parents that were too poor to take care of them. And a big problem at the time when it was launched was that there were women getting pregnant. They didn't want the children. And so the church said, instead of leaving them in the gutter or leaving them in the woods, why don't you bring them to our doorstep? We'll adopt them. We'll take care of them. And we'll do our best to give them health care and education so that they've got a shot at life in this society. The church made it happen. And the church is still making it happen today. People that didn't have money to feed themselves. People that were too poor to put clothes on their backs. They were living homeless on the streets. The church saw the need and said, you know what? We need to set up some missions so that we can feed these homeless people, put clothes on their back. Check this out. Give them health care. Give them an education. Help them get on their feet so they can get a job and fix this problem in our community. The church has brought solutions to these problems, except for the last hundred years where we've surrendered it over to the government, and boy, aren't they doing a great job with it. Man, the church was knocking it out of the park, and in the pockets where the church is still doing this, they're knocking it out of the park. They're knocking it out of the park because the church has always stepped into culture to meet needs and use that as an opportunity to build a platform to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. And by doing that, they've changed culture. They've changed culture. 
Culture isn't changed by producing laws. Culture is changed by changing hearts. When Jesus gets inside of you, it makes all the difference in the world. And so the church has been busy. The church has been busy. It is still influencing and impacting our culture today because Jesus has called his church to impact the culture that it's in. I want to say it again. Jesus has called his church to impact the culture that it's in. To not just gather together on a Sunday, to not just talk about everything that we're against, but to engage our communities and produce solutions to problems out of a motivation to put Jesus on the center stage. That's what it's all about. He's called us all to do that. So here's a big question for us today. In light of all of that, will we be the church? Will we be the church and will we be the church that Jesus has called us to be? Not the church that grandmama said you should be a part of or the church that maybe you attended all of your life, <clears throat> but the church that he's called us to be a part of. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Say, I am a part. Doesn't that sound beautiful? We're a part of it. This is a disconnection with a lot of people. Say it again, church is not something that you come to. Church is something that you are. The ecclesia called out ones to represent the kingdom of God on this earth. You're a part of his body because he is in your heart. Amen? Okay, so follow this line of thinking. If he's in your heart, you're a part of the body, then you are the church. Amen? See, there's no delineation between any of them. You don't get to pick and choose. I'll call myself a Christian and I'll go to church, but I'm not going to be a part of what's going on and I don't know about all this. You don't get to pick and choose that. There's no delineation in Scripture between any of it. It's all one and the same. If he's in you, then you are an heir, co-heir in Christ. You are part of the body of believers. You're part of the body of Christ, the kingdom of God. And you are, by default, his church, his agent of change. In the big world, in our community, and in our sphere of influence, we are the church, and we're called to impact the culture that we live in. So if you're really a Christian, you ought to be able to see the fruit of that walk with God and how you're dealing with the culture that you live in. Why is it so quiet in here? I'm just talking a little bit. Just talking a little bit. So <clears throat> we are we are part of it. So it, it's, it's, it's fair to say this. If you're a Christian, it's your responsibility to engage in the culture and point it to Jesus. The key there is point it to Jesus. You got to point it to Jesus. Um, as a pastor, this is what I've seen. Is that it's not hard to get people to say amen to statements like that. What it's hard to do is to remind people to stay focused on being sure that they are impacting culture and that culture is not impacting them. I think that's where the battle is won and lost. 
And to be quite honest with you, that's what you're seeing happen in the church today in America. Church in America right now is on the same path that the church in Europe was on before Europe became what it is now spiritually. Um, across the board, we're letting culture influence us instead of us influence, influencing culture. Paul was having the same problem, though. It's not like the early church was immune to this. He was writing to the church in uh, Corinth, um, which a lot of people don't realize. The church in, Corinthian, like in, in Corinth <laughs> that he was writing to in the book of First and Second Corinthians, you won't talk about buckwild and crazy. That church was crazy because the culture that they were in was crazy. Picture Mardi, Mardi Gras, okay, Mardi Gras. You know all the crazy stuff that happens at Mardi Gras? Okay, that was like everyday life in Corinth. In fact, like a slur and a joke would be, like if you did something that was nasty, they, they would say, hey, you're, why don't you stop that Corinthian? Why are you acting like a Corinthian? You know, like today we say, why are you acting like a Georgia fan? Back then, <laughs> back then they would say, why are you acting? <laughs> I just... <laughs> Say, I gotta balance this out. I gotta now. What do you what do you call <laughs> what what do you call uh, eighteen people on the front row at an Alabama home game? A full set of teeth. That's what you call. Them. That's what you call. All right. I'm sorry. Look, everybody watching at home. I get it. I get it. it I deserve emails being sent to me. So send them in. Send them in. Pastor Jeremy at EastgateChurch.cc and well. We'll, uh, we'll look at all the emails you want to send. Now, can you imagine your culture being so jacked up that they just said, quit, quit being a Corinthian. It was just given. That's the culture that that church was in. The problem is that that culture was influencing that church. So that church influencing the culture correctly. So Paul had to break out some pen and paper and say, hey, uh, guys, we need to fix some stuff. And as part of that, he wrote this. He said, but I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. Wow. My fear is that everything that Jesus has done for you, all the stuff that God has done in your life, that, that it's at risk because you are at risk of being deceived, just like Eve was deceived in the Garden of Eden. Don't be deceived. What Paul is writing here, he says, uh, you happily, now look at how he words this, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach. Or a different kind of spirit than the one you received. Or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. Paul saying, I'm afraid that you guys are going to be deceived because you are becoming tolerant. You're becoming tolerant to a gospel that is influenced by the culture that you're living in. And it is not what I taught you. It is a watered-down version of compromise with hints of Jesus in it, and you guys are at risk of buying it because you tolerate it Happily. That's one thing with listening to what somebody says and understanding where they are. 
But at some point, you got to draw a line and say, no, I hear what you're saying, but the Bible says this. And I hear what you're saying, but the Bible says that. And I understand what society says. And I know what they're going to call me for standing on the Word of God. You can call me whatever you want to call me. I'm still going to stand on the Word of God. I'm not going to let culture subtly water down everything that I have in Christ. And think about uh, Daniel in the Old Testament. Daniel, man, he's, he's one of my heroes. He just didn't care what people said. He got snatched from his kingdom, taken to Babylon with a handful of other people. And the uh, emperor, I think Nebuchadnezzar was his name of the day, he took them all and he said, I want you to, listen to this, for the next three years, teach them our culture and our ways. And while you're doing that, I want you to train them for the jobs that they're going to have in our society. And I want you to feed them the food that we eat. And Daniel was cool with all of that because he realized they came in, they conquered my kingdom, I got to deal with this stuff. He was cool with all of it until they put a plate of food in front of him. And he said, I can't eat that. I get all this other stuff, I'll deal with all this other stuff, I got to function in this society, I understand all that, but this right here, I'm not going to do because the food that they gave him were foods that were offered up as sacrifices to the false gods of their kingdom. And, and, and Daniel said, for me to do that is to defile myself and to hurt the heart of my God. And I'm not going to do that. All this other stuff, I'll play ball with. But when it comes to this, I'm drawing a line. And it's interesting that God, when you, if you go back and read it, God didn't give him favor in the country or with the people or the people that he answered to, he didn't give him favor with any of those people until Daniel first took a stand. When Daniel took a stand, God started moving. Daniel said, I'm not going to do that. See, it wasn't until later in life that he got thrown in the lion's den because they passed a law and said, hey, you're not going to be able to pray for a certain amount of time. They passed the law Because they said, we're not going to be able to get Daniel on anything unless it has something to do with this joker's walk with God. Okay, what kind of life you got to live for people to realize that, you know? So they say, you can't pray. Daniel said, yeah, about that. Um, Y'all go ahead and pass whatever laws you want to. I'm more concerned about making sure that I'm obedient to the correct law. And he's still with his windows open so everybody could hear him. That joker got in there and prayed three stinking times a day. Just like he did before. Because he drew a line. He said, I don't care what your culture is. I know what the word of God says. And I'm going to choose that over the culture. I'm drawing the line. Those three other guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they drew the line and said, I don't care who you say we have to bow down to. The only person we're bowing down to is God himself. Throw us in that fiery pit. We don't care. God can save us, but if he doesn't save us, we would rather burn up than defile God Almighty. Give us a church that's got a backbone like that. 
Give us a church full of people that will take a stand like that. Well, Pastor Josh, we'd rather just play it safe. You know, you got to play the game a little bit and show love so that you can reach people for Jesus. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that you compromise the Word of God. That's not playing it safe. That's called being a coward. Playing it safe in the kingdom of God is getting in the fire and trusting God to bail you out. Playing it safe in the kingdom of God is lining up and staring the giant in the eye. Playing it safe in the kingdom of God is saying, I don't care what you say. I am going to honor the Word of God, and I will not compromise my walk with Him. That's playing it safe in the kingdom of God. We're called to engage the culture and not compromise the Word of God. Now, here's where we get in trouble. Get all fired up over stuff like this. <clears throat> That's good preaching, Pastor Josh. Yeah, it is. Good boy, Pastor Josh. Good boy. <laughs> Having fun with you. Um, see, we lose our minds, those of us that have children. We lose our minds if we woke up one morning and our kids were gone. Someone broken into our house and kidnapped them and stole them away from us. As a parent... I'm telling you right now, I would turn over every rock. I would move heaven and earth itself. Everything would cease to exist except for finding my kids and protecting my kids. And I would not rely on anybody else to do it for me. They can help if they want to. I'm going to find my children and bring them back so I can protect them. What we don't realize, though, is that every day, if we're not careful, culture is stealing our kids from us little by little, one day at a time. Listen, one class at a time, one TV show at a time, one song at a time. Listen to me, church. We have got to make sure. We have got to make sure that we are laying the correct foundation in our kids' lives and that we're active in our children's lives and our grandchildren's lives and that we're pouring the Word of God in them and teaching them how to stand on their own two feet and that we are not asleep at the watchtower when we should be protecting our households and letting this junk in and letting culture influence our children. Parents, grandparents, listen, you're the number one influencers in your children's life. You're the number one. You're the number one. And you can't do that five or ten minutes a day. You've got to spend time with your children and your grandkids laying a foundation. Listen, you are the gatekeeper of your home. You're the gatekeeper of your home. And it starts there. Listen, all this liberal agenda that is permeating the schools and permeating the church now, okay? I said liberal agenda. I didn't say a political party. You understand the difference? All right. We understand the difference, Pastor Josh. Liberal, anti-God, secular agenda, okay? They figured out if we start training the kids when they're little, progressively each generation becomes more tolerant to what's happening in society until it becomes a non-issue and we can push God and the church out of the picture. You don't really think that's happening, Pastor Josh. 
You tell me if you think that's really happening. I guarantee you it's really happening. So listen, we've got to be wise. We've got to be wise in what we allow our kids to experience. You've got to draw the line everywhere. You've got to draw the line in the sand and decide who you're going to be and what you're going to allow. Um, so that's one thing that gets us in trouble is we're, we're passive on too many things. We're passive on too many things because we don't want to offend or hurt people. And I hate that pacification that's washed its way through the church. There's a difference between operating in love towards an individual and being passive towards an agenda. Two completely different things. But then we go the other direction with it too and we get a little too aggressive with things. And I want to show you this chart this up here because this is um, this is pretty interesting. Uh, this is a chart you can just call it causes versus the gospel. Um, this is how Jesus set up the church to operate on this principle: God created mankind, Jesus died for mankind. Because Jesus died for mankind, then every person has value. Every person has an opportunity to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But what we do, and what usually starts out in a good heart to resolve situations and issues, is that we pick any one of these that are on the screen here, hunger, poverty, orphans, abortion, get ready for that one over the next few months, racism, um, Christian persecution, which is huge in the world today. Um, more people have been martyred for their faith in Jesus in the last hundred years and in all recorded history up until the last hundred years. But you don't see that much on the news at all. So the principle from Scripture is because we're created in the image of God and because Jesus died for us, that if you're hungry or in poverty, you have value and the church should help speak to that cultural need to solve the issue because we're motivated out of love for those people to fill that need and create a platform by which to give them Jesus. Same thing for orphans, the same thing for abortion, for racism, uh, for, for, for Christian persecution, for sex trafficking. Fill, pick, this, pick the cause, okay? We as a church are to be motivated to step into those needs out of love to solve the problem and speak to the issue in culture for the purpose of presenting the gospel to others. Okay, that's called the Great Commission. That's serving one another, loving one another, all the stuff that Jesus taught in a nutshell. When you meet the need, you create the platform to give people Jesus. The problem becomes when we step out of the purity of Solving the cultural issue for the purpose of pointing people to Jesus. Because here's the deal. There's no real way to solve the cultural issue without Jesus. We've been trying since, since time was recorded, and it has not been able to be. You just cannot pass a law that will legislate morality or change in a person's heart. The only way a, heart, a person's heart can be changed is through the transformation that comes from Jesus. So what we do is <clears throat> we pick one... Uh, one of these causes, and we let whispers a political agenda get infused with meeting a cultural need. 
Now it's about whatever the talking point is on the media. Now it's about whatever the talking point is, whether you swing left on an issue or right on an issue. It's politically charged. And now you're letting culture come in and steer the way you're looking at an issue instead of looking at the issue the way Jesus intended for us to look at the issue. You hear what I'm saying here? This is what we do. Sin, no. Compromise, no. Political talking points, wait a minute. Our country would be just fine if those stupid Democrats would stop messing it up. Gas would be a whole lot cheaper. Our country would be just fine if these stupid conservatives would let two brain cells bump together and start caring about the environment and the social needs. I got news for you. Republicans can't get it done. Democrats can't get it done. Only Jesus can get it done. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? We are the greatest hope that the world has because we have the only solution in our hands for the world. His name is Jesus. The rest of it is fodder. They were debating the same issues in Rome. They were debating the same issues 200 years ago. They'll be deba debating these issues a thousand years from now. If Jesus doesn't come back, he's the only solution. The rest of it, the rest of it is bullcrap with ice cream on top of it to try to get you to swing one way or another and vote one way or another for a party. I, I pro that's, that, that's it. So when, when you go, well, it's orphans. We've got to do stuff about the orphans. We need another bill passed for this. We need a bill, a bill passed for that. We need a bill passed for this or a bill passed. We've got to end racism. And I think we do because it's horrific. It's horrific. Which, by the way, isn't it kind of hypocritical of churches to protest against racism when they're all black churches or all white churches? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? We need to end racism. There's not one white person in that church. We need to end racism. There's not one black person in that church. You know what I'm saying? We are all one body of Christ. Skin color ain't got anything to do with it. You know? So you don't solve the agenda by another law. You solve the problem with Jesus. I've seen more division in churches, including this church, over this issue right here the last two years than I've seen in, let's don't even talk about how many years I've been in ministry. Uh, we're not going to talk about that one. The last two years has become so charged because people have forgotten that Jesus is, is the solution and not an elected official in office. Okay? The church thrived when Nero was emperor of Rome. And he was persecuting and murdering Christians by the thousands. Listen to me. It doesn't matter who's in office. What matters is the church does what the church is supposed to do. Don't blame your apathy because the wrong person on the wrong person being in office. Well, if we get well, if Trump comes back, everything's going to change. Says who? Says who? Is the world still going to go to hell in a handbasket if we're not giving them Jesus? Well, if Hillary will come back and she'll change everything. Since when? All about Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So there's a correct way to deal with culture. 
And Jesus has shown us how to do it. Now, what I'm not saying is, I'm not saying don't vote. Okay? Vote. Vote. Um, we've got midterms coming up uh, soon. Go vote. The general election's coming up after that. Go vote. Go vote. But here's the deal. Church, listen to me, church, church, ecclesia, those who are in Christ Jesus, let's make sure we're voting biblical principles and not talking points from some baloney political party, okay? I don't care if they're Republican or Democrat or whatchamacallit with fuzzy hats. It doesn't matter what the party's called. If their platform lines up closest to biblical principles, that's how we should vote. Not because I'm telling you to do so, but because the word of God that we'll be judged by and held accountable to will hold us accountable to the fact. You understand? So let's make sure we're doing this the right way. And not the way we've always done it. And the right way to bring change to culture in the right spirit and the right attitude to promote the gospel of Jesus, not some political agenda. There are people that criticize me because I don't preach enough on racism. Left the church. We, we wish that you would speak more about racism. What are you talking about? Why would I want to isolate a problem continually when I can just talk about the solution every time I'm in the pulpit? What they're saying is, we've got a cause that we've exalted to the place of sitting above the spread of the gospel, and we've let it become an idol in our lives and an agenda that's pushing us. Because here's, here's the truth. Um, if it doesn't point people to Jesus, then the cause has become a distraction and an idol. Not the gospel. Not the gospel. So it's not enough to just celebrate what the church has done, and it's not enough to celebrate what we're doing. Praise God for what we've been able to do. It's not enough to talk about not allowing ourselves to be influenced by culture, but to influence the culture around us. We've got to make sure we're doing it in the correct way. And voting is important. It's so important because our vote, our vote is going to keep the laws on the books that are going to help ensure that we can keep doing what we're doing right here today. Okay? So, in the months to come, don't get distracted by the talking points. Don't get distracted by the agendas. Stay focused on what the Word of God says. Why is it important for a Christian to have the position that we have on a social issue? See, if you can't give that answer, but you can turn red in the face and shout, I'm a woman and I have a right to choose what I do with my body. See, you, you've lost the battle. They don't even know why you're saying what you're saying. Well, you don't have a right to kill that child. How in the world can we say that if we find bacteria on Mars, we call it life, but a heartbeat in the womb is not considered life? You know? Now, but it does us no good to say those things if we don't understand why. We don't understand what the Bible says. You're just regurgitating worldly statements that are going to produce worldly fruit. The only thing that's going to bring about change is the truth of the Word of God, not diluted by a talking point. 
but in his unaltered form. Understand what I'm saying? Argue stuff when you don't know what foundation you're standing on. It could be that you've been arguing something your entire life just because you've heard it that way. And scripturally, you are so wrong. You are almost in danger of hellfire itself and you don't even realize it. It's important to know why. I'll go cast my vote. I'll speak into issues if somebody wants to have a conversation with me on something. Which, by the way, debates on social media are not conversations with people. Okay? You would be more effective with getting that person to line up next to you in the front yard and see who can pee the furthest. You, you really would. What did y'all talk about in church? Well, pastor was talking about people peeing to see who could... Makes a good point, though. You understand what I'm saying? It, you don't accomplish anything. Well, I want my opinion to be, ah. Difference between presenting the truth and letting somebody hear your opinion. Your opinion's worthless. Truth of the Word of God. Now that, that's, that's the double-edged sword that can divide between soul and spirit and get in there. It's what we stand on. I'll go vote. I'll have those conversations. But what's going to produce more fruit, what's going to be about, bring about more change, is me getting off my rear end and engaging in the problems in culture, serving in the outreaches, helping connect with the other organizations like we do in the community with the PRC. We don't just talk about that. We support the ministry in town that is helping make that stuff happen. Um, we don't talk about helping people with mental, mental issues and addictions. We partner with places in town that are making that happen. We speak into those needs and get involved in those needs. You do more when you do that. You do more when you look at the person you work with and say, hey, what's going on in your life? Man, my life is horrible. Whew, boy, that's a great open door. Step in and talk about Jesus problem with the church for the last hundred years is that we've surrendered our responsibility to other people and we've become consumers of the gospel instead of carriers of the gospel and we've allowed culture to influence us instead of us influencing culture it's somebody else's job somebody else's responsibility and in the word of God there is no delineation between your relationship with Jesus and what he's called you to do and the church that you're a part of, it's all one and the same. We are all called to influence the culture that we live in. What we don't want to be is the church that's known for what it's against. What you don't want to be is the person that's known for what you're against. We need to be known for what we're for. We need to be known for what we're for. You're known by what you're for, by what you put your money into, by what you put your time into. Talk about, because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. We need to tell people about Jesus. The early church wasn't perfect, but they talked about Jesus. And that's what transformed the culture that they were in. 
They're talking about Jesus and everything that came with him. And when you get someone close to God, they capture the heart of the God that they're drawing close to. And it's funny how racism just ends when someone's close to God. It's funny how there's no question about whether or not a child has the right to be born when you're close to God. I know I just ticked off half the people watching online. Send me an email. But when you're close to God, you're going to have his heart. You're going to have his heart. It's amazing. It's amazing how much you begin to think and act like him when you get closer to him. Solution is always Jesus. So we step into the needs to create a platform to lift up Jesus. That's how the gospel works. That's how a church transforms culture. And I'm telling you this, as long as I'm the pastor of this church, this is the kind of church that we're going to be. We're going to be a church that does our best to step into the need, to address the culture, and lift up the name of Jesus. We're not going to be content to sit in these walls and just be happy getting old with mama and them and dying. Not when there's a world out there going to hell in a handbasket that needs Jesus. We're not going to be a church people that you, if you looked at our lifestyle, you couldn't tell the difference between us and somebody that we're trying to reach out there. We're going to be a church that is growing close to the heart of God. I want this stuff to be real. I'm just talking, I'm not preaching, I'm just talking to you. I mean, haven't you seen enough churches sit around and do not enough? Haven't you heard enough people talk about problems? I'm sick and tired of hearing about the problems. Give me some solutions and let's go do it. You know what I mean? I want to be a part of a church that is doing something. Not just shouting about how great a service was. I want to see households transformed and changed. I want to see marriages put back together. I want to see addictions broken in people's lives. I want to see the power of God transform our community. But it only happens when we are the church the way Jesus intended for us to be the church. And he never intended for his church to be in neutral when it comes to dealing with culture. We're called to change it. One person at a time, one issue at a time, one problem at a time, one salvation at a time. Amen? Let's all stand to our feet as we close this morning. God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your word. Just ask that you speak to us in this moment. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. I want to ask a question. Man, <laughs> are you stepping into the culture to make a difference for Jesus? Now, I don't ask that question to, to make you feel guilty. I'm asking that question to give you an opportunity for honest evaluation. It's a, it's a question I ask myself a lot. Josh, how are you, how are you influencing others? How are, what are you doing to impact those around you? What's happening in the church to affect the culture around it? You had to be honest, man. Are you a person that is influencing culture around you, or are you being influenced by the culture that is around you? I want to encourage you with all my heart to become an influencer, to step into that role that Jesus 
looked out over 2,000 years ago, saw you, said you're going to be part of that ecclesia, that church, my governing body, one with me, grafted into the kingdom of God, my church, part of the great commission to influence change in the culture, to point people to me. Is that true in your life or not? The beautiful thing is, every day is a great opportunity to make a change. That's the beautiful thing about our relationship with God is that there's grace there to allow us to get back on track if we're off track. And I'm here today just reminding you, hey, there's stuff for us to do. And it's more than just filling a seat on Sunday. It's awesome that you're in church. But we're not just called to be in church, we're called to be the church. And that means very specific things according to the Bible. Neither we're there or we're not. And I want to encourage you to take a step. I mean, I'm not asking you to be a super evangelist person. or anything. I'm just asking you, you know what? Out of the overflow of a real relationship with God, let what comes natural come natural and talk about Him. Heads bowed, eyes closed. You're here today and say, Pastor Josh, this message has spoken to me. Pastor Josh, I, I am not influencing culture the way that I'm called to in Scripture. Either, either I'm stuck in neutral or I'm going about it the wrong way and I'm promoting causes and talking points over the gospel of Jesus. And I need to get that right today. If that's you, when I count to three, I want you to lift your eyes up and look at me. One, two, three. Lift them up and look at me if that's you. Eyes are going up all over this place. Once you lift them up, you can put them back down. Praise God. Praise God. Everybody look up here at me. Do we really believe this stuff? I mean, do we really believe this stuff at the core of who we are? Or is it just a philosophy that we agree with? We got to believe this stuff. I just believe it, but know that it's true. The Word of God is more real than anything you see in this room. Everything in this room, as real as it is, is temporary. The Word of God is eternal. It's eternal. It's eternal. Politicians are in and out like popcorn. Issues and needs in society, they fluctuate and change, and they're always going to be there until Jesus comes back and ends it all. All temporary. This is eternal. Let me remind you, guys, we are called to be different. In the world, not of the world. Strangers and aliens in a foreign land, the Bible says. We're here for a little bit to make impact for him and then we go be with him for eternity isn't that awesome isn't that awesome I want to take as many people with me as I can I want to take as many people with me as I can 
I want to make waves for Jesus while I'm on this earth. There is no reason why we, as a group of people, and you guys watching online, there's no reason why we can't have the same impact as the early church that we read about in Scripture. No reason why we can't. A lot of us lifted up our eyes and said, hey, I need to adjust some stuff to make sure that I am influencing culture in the right way, that I'm promoting Jesus in the right way. So encouraging to me that we saw that happen and that you lifted up your eyes and you didn't just stay in neutral, but you said, no, I'm going to make some change. I want to make a difference for my Jesus. I want to take a stand for him in this world today. I think that's awesome because God can use people like that. God can use you. We got a great opportunity when we go out these doors to begin putting this stuff into practice. Amen? Listen, not shouting talking points. What do you think is more effective, to have a clever slogan or saying or going to somebody in a wheelchair and seeing them healed in the name of Jesus? What do you think has got more power? You know what I'm saying? Let's go out of here and let's be the church. And let's let God move through us to impact lives. Let's God, let God work through us to see people healed and restored. Let's speak love and let's speak the truth in love. Let's don't water down our position, but let's be smart with what we do. You know, the Bible talks about being wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Be very smart with what we do and influence in our culture. But you can't do it with a sledgehammer. You've got to do it with Jesus. No matter how frustrated you may get, especially if elections don't go the way you want them to. I saw more Christians venting and angry because elections didn't go the way that they wanted them to in years gone by. And, oh, this, blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. What did any of that accomplish? Why are you mad at the world for acting like the world and voting like the world? You understand? The world's going to go a certain way according to biblical prophecy. You get frustrated all you want to. The word of God's going to happen. Whether you agree with it politically or not, the one thing you can do is take Jesus to as many people as you possibly can. There's more power in that than in any election that's ever been held. I guarantee you. Let's be the church. Amen. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. God, thank you. For speaking to our hearts. Lord, thank you for the change that's happened today. Lord, I pray that we walk this out and we are the influencers you've called us to be. Let the world go the way the world goes. Lord, let your church always be your church and do what you called us to do. God, we give you praise and glory and honor for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Let's give God praise one more time this morning. I love every one of you love every one of you hey if you're new here and I haven't had a chance to talk to you yet I'm going to hang out around the front of the stage for a little bit I love to talk to you get to know your story a little bit and uh, just say thank you for being here everyone watching online thanks for staying with us if you're listening to this podcast later we love you here We've got a busy week of ministry ahead of us. Women of Valor graduation coming up. Hey, y'all come next Sunday and let's support these women that are graduating. Amen? All right, let's do that. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next.